Thanks for choosing to listen to another City Point West podcast. I trust that this message empowers and encourages you to continue your journey of faith. Enjoy. Uh, There's a psalm that's wrapped up in the life of David. It's not just a short psalm from a moment, but he continues to write it right through his life and lays out a picture of a need for being revived continually. And all of us, we know this, those of us that are, that are a little more mature, they're often the need for reviving of energy, the need for reviving in our spiritual journey is so important. I'm a year older and uh, someone said to me, did you enjoy your birthday last week? I enjoyed my birthday other than the fact they added an extra number to the end of my birthday amount. I'm not happy about that, but I enjoyed the birthday because the journey through life is... My dad always says, the only way not to have any more birthdays is to be dead. So having more birthdays is a good thing. It's a bonus. Uh, We're alive. It means we're still kicking. Uh, So I love it for that. And listen, for David, it was his life journey here. And he's writing in this psalm. Every time he goes through a moment, there's another, another portion of this Psalm 119. And continually through that, he says, revive me, revive me, revive me. Uh, I'm grateful for the beauty of being revived by God continually. I I trust this morning in that moment, this is a move. God, there's a move in my heart, a move in my life. There's a healing in my thinking and believing of who I am. God, there's a move inside of me, setting me a light to my future and all you have for me. Um, A number of years ago, uh, Wendy and I... um, we, we, had a, we had a dog. We still have dogs, but we had this, this one dog. It was a little staffy. Um, the dog actually was, was given to us uh, by my dad and mum. That had this dog and it, and it had a few issues. And for all those that know, Pastor Wendy um, is a vet nurse. So we took the dog. We looked after the dog. She sort of got the dog better and, uh, and the dog ended up staying. Uh, my wife has this great ability to do this. Oh, we're just going to look after this animal for five minutes. Ten years later, the animal's still at our house. Now, I know some of you might not think I'm an animal person. You're reasonably correct in that. I don't mind animals. Uh, but my wife and my kids are just like animal people. If it was up to Pastor Wendy and Jaden and Jordan, we would own a farm with 50 million animals. That would be uh, the way we do that. Pastor Wendy loves animals. In fact, just the other day, she messages me and says, oh, there's this little cat at work. It's been brought in and I can't take it to RSPCA today. Uh, it needs to stay at our house over the weekend and I'll take it there on Monday. You know what my re- reply was to her? So we've got a new cat, do we? That was my reply. Uh, That's the outcome of that too, in case you're wondering. We do have a new cat. It's better than Fluffy, for all those who remember the Fluffy story. Not much better just yet, because it's a kitten. But anyway, we had this dog. Uh, It was actually a good dog. I didn't mind the dog. Uh, But we had this dog, and we used to live on on a bit of a busy road. And um, across the road, there was like a little takeaway store. and Pastor Wendy and the kids were walking across the road to the takeaway store and they sort of rushed between uh, cars that head across the road to the takeaway store. And it was one of those moments that happened so quickly, you know. It was one of those moments that was just like, you can see it happening, but you can't stop it. Well, I was there. I was actually getting my boat ready to go spearfishing with a friend of mine. And I saw the dog 
see Pastor Wendy run across the road and I knew the dog was thinking, I need to follow Pastor Wendy. Listen, every animal in our house, she's like Dr. Doolittle. Everywhere she goes, there's like 50 animals following behind her. Well, we haven't got 50. That's a slight over-exaggeration. But the animal's always there. I mean, Wendy sits on the couch like there's a dog on a lap. There's a cat sitting in her hair. You know, it's just they follow her all the time. Uh, whenever I walk through the house, the dog goes this way and the cat goes that way. It's my anointing. It's the anointing just to part the sea. Except for when I'm filleting fish. The cat's just like rubbing on my leg like it's my best friend all of a sudden. I feel like I'm being used. You know what I'm saying? But this dog decides it wants to follow Wendy across the road. And I was like, stop dog. But it just went too fast. And unfortunately, Wendy was dodging through cars. The dog got run over. Uh, you know, I, I, I just, it was one of those things I just couldn't, I couldn't stop it. And so I run out on the road and the person pulls up like, oh, so sorry, so sorry. And the dog's there and it doesn't look great. And I remember just like reaching down and picking this dog up and picking it up off the road and carrying it back into our property. And you know, that dog was, was not a dog that would ever bite or had a mean bone in its body, but the dog was in pain. And because of the pain, it just was like, ah, 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 just like gnawing on my arm. Now, listen, I'm trying to help the thing at the time. I'm picking it up. I'm trying to carry it gently back into the property. You know, one of its legs just looked really, really bad. And the pain on that dog was so much that it just gnawed on me. It just kept on biting me. Not hard, it was trying not to, but it just couldn't help it. It was like, I'm in pain and biting me and biting me on the arm. Long story short, I remember my mate was there and I'm like, I'm not going spearfishing now. I can see this happening. I've got to look after this dog. What are we going to do? Do I have to take it to a vet? And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going to cost so much money. This is a disaster. And I'm talking to my mate and I'm like, what do you think? We, what do I think I should, we should do here? And Wendy grabbed the kids and they went upstairs and they're all crying. The dog's been hit. This is sad. The dog's now laying in the, in the middle of our, our front yard. And the dog's like, <gasps> 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 And I'm like, well, that makes it easy. <laughs> like, it died. I said this to my mate. I'm like, that makes the choice easy. I'm like, at least we're going spearfishing. We just need to go and dig a hole out the back. And we're going diving. You know, we're having this conversation. And the dog goes, <gasps> what, what? How did that stupid dog come back alive? Again, I'm glad, I'm glad Fluffy didn't do that, people. You know what I'm saying? The dog keep breathing. In the end, we had to take the dog to the vet. The dog survived, by the way. This is the, the story. And uh, we actually had to take one of its legs off. It had a broken pelvis, a broken leg, and it become a three-legged dog. And you know what? Four months, that dog was in so much pain. Listen, every time I would pick up that dog, because we had like a two-story house to get upstairs to where we were, every time I'd pick up that dog, it would gnaw on my arm because of the pain for months and months and months. You know, I, I think of that dog and I think of its response to pain. Listen, it lived a long life with three legs. Uh, unfortunately, it was expensive to live a long life with three legs. But I often think about that dog's response to pain, that gnawing, that fact that it would... It would just like, uh, uh, try not to bite you, but I can't help bite you. And it makes me think of how we are sometimes 
when we're dealing with life and life's dealing some tough blows. And in the tough blows of life, we gnaw on other people, you know. Our response to others. And listen, sometimes other people that are trying to care for us. Sometimes other people that are trying to love on us. Like I was. Listen, I wasn't trying to do anything mean to that dog. I was trying to get off the road so it doesn't get run over again. I picked it up as gently as I could. But the pain was so great, it was biting on my arm. And this is so many people in the world today. Like that dog, in their pain of life and the pain of situations, become a pain. Become difficult. I do it. You do it. And listen, there's so many people in our worlds that are just like this to us. Some of the most painful people in our worlds are painful because they're hurting today. Because they're struggling through the difficulties of life. They're struggling through hurt. They're struggling through loss. And like that dog, they're just gnawing away because of the pain that's going on on the inside of their life. I often think of that dog. I often think of that response. And it reminds me of the people that are around my world. Listen, some of the people that are around my world that respond that way can often honestly be difficult to love. I, I think of being a, a pastor in Anala and, and, and some of the young people that I've spent time with can be like that dog entirely where they just gnaw on everybody around them because they're suffering through trauma, brokenness, abuse. They've seen addiction their whole life. They've seen mess their whole life. And their response is to be the kid that breaks the window. Their response is to be the kid that steals your mobile phone when you leave it for five minutes. Their response is to be rude to you continually, even when you're trying to love on them. Those sorts of people, of which we can also be sometimes, are difficult to love. King David, in Psalm 119, verse 88, makes a statement. He says, Revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. Listen, there's a double play here in King David's statement. First and foremost, his, his first statement is, revive me according to the fact that you love me no matter what. He's first of all saying, revive me in the fact that I'm not always worthy of being revived. I'm not always worthy of an encounter with your presence. I'm not always worthy of, of an engagement with the God of heaven and earth, this, this wonderful, almighty, perfect God. I'm not necessarily always the one that sh probably should be getting that because I'm a mess. I fail. I, I'm a bit prickly sometimes. I'm a, I'm a sort of person that in my challenges gnaw on somebody else's arm. But revive me anyway. Engage with me anyway. It's that moment that we walk in Sunday morning. Listen, I haven't had the most perfect week. I've been hanging out the window, giving people the finger when I've been driving to work and it's been tough. I've been saying the wrong things. I've been getting angry at work, mates. I've been frustrated in the situations that I face. But listen, I'm here this morning and this is a move, revive me anyway. There's a part of this in King David that's bringing that thought. He, he knows that he's messed up sometimes. He knows that there's aspects in his life that are a little bit wrong and a little bit messed up and a little bit caught up with the brokenness of him and his thinking. And he knows there's been times when he's up on the roof looking over, seeing the wrong things. He knows there's been actions that have been wrong. He knows he's caused people to lose their life. But revive me anyway because you love me. 
I love the, the heart of this, and it's the heart of our God. It's the heart of who He is in us. 1 John 4.19 says, We love Him. Why? Because He first loved us. Listen, there's an aspect that we need continual revival in spite of how we act, in spite of how we walk, in spite of our failures this week. Listen, you may walk in here with no failures this week. If that's you, you're a liar. <laughs> Just to be clear. Failure number one. We walk in here carrying our mess. Every one of us. Everyone. Carrying our failure. Carrying the attitude that wasn't right. The thought process that had just been dealing with our mind. Some of the actions that we did this week weren't the way we know God wants us to live. And yet we walk into here and say, God, revive me according to the fact you love me so much. I love you because you first loved me. First loved me. You loved me this week when my attitude was wrong. You loved me this week when I was saying those things that were completely against how you want me to speak. You loved me when my neighbor is annoying me and I got annoyed back. You still love me. Revive me again unto that. But there's a double play here. There's a second aspect to this revive me according to your loving kindness. There's an aspect of saying revive me in love. Revive that love into my heart. Help me to love again. Help me to love somebody when love seems impossible. Help me to have love in my marriage when my marriage is feeling loveless. Help me to love and care for those around me. Help me to love my neighbour when I don't want to have anything to do with them. You know, I love the fact that Jesus always, throughout the Gospels, gives us the perfect example of love. The fact that he just continued to love and love on others and care for others. This is the beauty of what we see in the gospel and we see in Jesus and we see in that outworking of, of who he is. But in John chapter 13, Jesus makes a really powerful, important statement to the disciples and he says this, I give you a new commandment, that you would love one another as I have loved you Listen, if you have a physical Bible, just underline that for a second. Because there is some power in what he says this, that you would also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. Listen, he doesn't say this. People are going to see you're my disciples because you put on your Sunday best and you go to church. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, people are going to know you're my disciples because you put a City Point sticker on the bumper of your car. For most of you in this room, don't do that. <laughs> Pastor Wendy, certainly don't do that. He doesn't say, listen, they're going to know you're my disciples because you got one of those big King James Bibles and you put it on your arm and you carry it around with you everywhere. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say they're going to know you're my disciples because you talk about City Point and you talk about Jesus wherever you go. They're going to know you're my disciples because you love one another. What an incredible statement that he lays out for the reality of how the world sees that we are the disciples of Christ. 
It's an amazing statement. It's an amazing reality. And I feel 2,000 years ago this was important, but today it's genuinely important. We live in a loveless society. We have a loveless community around us, have a poor understanding of what genuine and true love looks like and the outworking of that in their world. Listen, because of the, the, the loss of the reality of love, we see a community outworking an, an attempt to find love in promiscuity and brokenness that comes out of that aspect of their world in their sexuality. We see people searching for love in, in friendship groups that only encourage us into a deeper brokenness for our life and they're looking for love. Lost it because of families and in the brokenness of their world. And Jesus now comes and says, listen, listen, the way the world sees the fact that you're my disciples is there is an engagement with each other in an outworking of genuine love that is so profound and so powerful that it causes an entire community to see there's something different about you, something different about that group of people, something different about who they are because they love each other and they care for each other. Listen, Jesus engaged in a love towards the community because he understood a couple of things. First, he understood that everybody was created in the image of God. Listen, even the messed up ones, Jesus understood, were still created in the image of God. Even those ones that are like the dog, gnawing away out of their pain at the people around them. Listen, I understand. We have a challenged community around us at times. You know, as a church, we've been broken into. You know, as a church, we've had to deal with, with broken stuff because of people in the community that are gnawing away at life. I get that. I understand that. But Jesus shows us that every one of those people, no matter what, the young guy that smashed the back window in twice in a week, God still loves him because he's still creating God's image. The painful people that have hurt us, spoken negatively towards us. God still loves them because they're created in His image. Jesus also understood this of everybody else. He understood that, listen, we are all unlovable because of our sin state. But Jesus flipped it on the cross. He flipped it and the gospel's about the reality that it's all flipped because of our sinful state. We are reinstated to that created state through Jesus Christ. King David got this because he was a mess. He knew that his life was a bit broken up and he knew the people around him were causing his life to be so difficult. In fact, as we lead into verse 88, I want us to read through a couple of verses before because the lead-in shows us why David prayed this part of his prayer. Verse 81. And back in Psalm 119, my soul faints for your salvation, but I hope in your word. My eyes fail from searching your word, saying, when will you comfort me? Has anyone ever had one of those bad weeks when you're in the Bible saying, God, can something just change? When's this word going to be a comfort to me? We read it and we're in so much turmoil that nothing's sticking. Anyone had a week like that? I'm pressing in in prayer. I need to hear your voice. When are you going to comfort my heart? 
My week's so tough. My month's so tough. My year's so tough. When are you going to comfort me? I love that King David has walked through what we've walked through. I've had those moments when I'm pressing in and pressing in. And at the end of my week of pressing in in faith and, and, and fasting, the only thing that's changed is now I'm hungry. <laughs> Can I have an amen from someone that's been like that? I had an empty heart, now I've got an empty stomach as well. Thank you, God. When are you going to comfort me, he says. For I have become like a wineskin in smoke, yet I do not forget your statutes. Now, can I, can I just stop here for a second? Some of you are like, a wineskin in smoke? What is he talking about right there? Is he talking about a party that I was at the other week? None of you would say that because you're all godly men and women. Let me explain. He's not talking about a drink up and a smoke up. That's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about like how some of you lived when you're 15. Not, it's not that. He's talking about here. In the olden days, they would put wine in the wineskin and to make that wine age quicker, they would hang it above a fire and the smoke would go into the wineskin and cause wine to age a lot faster than what it would just sitting there and over time obviously that aged wine is 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 sweeter and is better for you in the outworking of that that's why they hung it there to cause it to age quicker listen to what he's saying here my life's been so difficult that i feel like i've been hung out to grow and change quickly the people around my world are causing me to age faster Listen, I, I became a pastor at 22. At 24, I had no hair. <laughs> at 22, when I got married, 21, when I got married, I had long hair. At 25, I'm completely empty. Y'all in this room caused me to be like a wineskin in smoke. If you want to lose your hair, become a pastor. In Jesus' name. I know what he's going through right here. I know the feeling. Been hung up, caused to grow quickly, been stretched by challenging people and life and situations and the things that I'm going through. Listen, he's saying, I've cried out to God, when are you going to fix this situation? I feel like I'm being hung out to grow really quickly. I don't want to grow. I just want to grow slowly and gently. But life is causing me to have to grow and mature and to build my life verse 84 how many other days of your servant and when will you execute judgment on those who persecute me listen David thought it and we all think it we all have those moments in our lives of going God I'm sick of this idiotic person yes I know you want me to love them but just for a second indulge me here when are you going to just come back and Wipe out, smite those people, Jesus. When are you going to do that? Listen, some of you sitting here, like, I would never do that, oh, Father Tim. I am so perfect in my thinking towards everything. We all have these moments. King David had it. He's like, God, they're persecuting me. Can you please wipe out some of those people that are persecuting me? I get it, God. You love them. Let's move on with my prayer. That's what happens in that moment right there. He says, the proud, they've dug pits to catch me out, which is not according to your law. All your commandments have, 
uh, are faithful, yet they persecute me wrongfully. Help me. Is this somebody's favourite prayer in the room? Anyone had one of those prayers? Help me. Help me. Listen, sometimes that's our whole prayer life. Help me. Help me. I've got to get through today. Help me. I've got to deal with a family situation. Help me. Listen, my kids are driving me nuts. Help me. I, some kids are driving some people nuts in this room. I heard that in those laughs. They almost made an end of me on this earth, but I do not forsake your precepts. They almost, they're killing me. Those kids are killing me. That neighbor's killing me. That boss is killing me. I don't want to hear an amen from any of my staff in this room. <laughs> Which leads him to that prayer, revive me again, that I could love somebody. They're killing me, God. You know they're killing me. You know I want you to smite them. You know the situation's so tough. You know I'm just saying, help me. But revive me again that I could love somebody. God, everyone's been so unlovable that it's become difficult to love. Every person in this room has had a moment in your life where you've been like that. I want to love, but everyone's been so unlovable, I feel like love's been drained from my soul. And your word says they'll know us by our love for one another, but I don't have it in right now. I don't have it inside me. Revive me again. The pain has caused me to become one that's gnawing. I feel like the dog biting on somebody's arm because it's so, I feel so unable to love. So unable to love. Listen, throughout the Bible, we see this in so many people. I, I look at Paul writing to the Galatians church. The Galatians letter is a response to challenge against Paul and what he says. It's a response to the church and it struggles with others and the, and the false doctrines it's trying to get in and the attack on Paul and the attack on the Galatians church. His whole, whole letter is a response to that. But in chapter 5, he comes and, listen, he has very similar outworking that we see from the outworking in David's life. Verse 12 he says, I just wish that those troublemakers who want you uh, to mutilate by circumcision would mutilate themselves. Can I give you this in modern day English? It's a bit like what, what we see from King David back there when he says, God, can you do something and wipe out these people? They're, they're persecuting me. Can you come and persecute back? He says, listen, they're attacking me so bad. They just want you to, to go back to the old Jewish ways Listen, I wish they'd mutilate themselves for a second here, God. I wish they'd mutilate themselves. I can imagine him penning out this letter. This is him. He's sitting there. Oh, these people that are trying to mutilate you. I wish they would mutilate themselves. You know when you're writing on a piece of paper and something's got feeling and the pen goes through the paper. I reckon that's what's happened right there when he's thinking about how annoying all these stupid false prophets that have been giving him a hard time to like mutilate themselves. And then he stops. <sighs> Take a breath here. This is a move. Oh, this is a move. Now I can keep writing my letter. Verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. 
But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. He needed a move between those two verses. Listen to his tone in the first one. God, I wish they'd just go and, you know, they're so painful. Now, oh, that we would serve our brothers and sisters in love. There's a move of God between those two verses. And we all need it. Because some of us stick the pen through the paper with frustration, but then have to come back to the reality of, God, what you've done in us, your love engaging in my life, causes me to engage with other people again. God, I, I wish they'd just mutilate themselves. But Lord, you still want me to love others. I'm sick of the frustration of it, but God, you're still wanting me to engage. And so Paul says, hey, everything's summed up, the whole law, the prophets, summed up in one command, love your neighbor as yourself. He speaks from the point of being attacked and the frustration of the hurt and the frustration of the challenge. God, I wish they'd just wipe themselves out because I'm sick of listening to these idiotic people. But listen, I know you want me to love somebody else. I know this is the central picture of the gospel for my life and for who I am. Once I'm engaged by your love, I'd engage with others, even those frustrating people through the love that comes out of my life. How do we do that? How do we outwork that? Listen to what he says, that you would use your freedom to serve one another in love. Listen, he doesn't say that you would use your freedom to feel love to one another. Have you noticed when we're needing to shift our hearts back to love, it doesn't happen first and foremost with a feeling. Shifting your heart back to love often happens, as he said, that serve one another in love, often happens with an action before the feelings come. Let me speak to the married people in the room. You would know when there is tension in your relationship, which happens, which is a part of two people being in a relationship together. When there's tension in your relationship and words get heated, emotions get heated, it takes action to stir emotion back. Listen, if you wait for emotion out of the frustration in your relationship, you will usually wait for such a long period of time that you cause greater damage. Often, I'm not always perfect at this, but often when I know I've said the wrong thing, outworked the wrong thing, or even when it's been the other way, I'll make sure I action myself back to say, hey, babe, I'm sorry. Because I'm trying to stir something back. Even when there's anger there and frustration there, hey, I want to engage with service here to make sure that I fix this situation and allow emotion to come back. Because it takes action. And, and Paul gets it right here. He says, I'm frustrated with the situations, Galatians church, that we're facing. I'm frustrated with the people. But we've encountered Christ and His love. And out of the freedom that comes from that, hey, let yourself engage with others and serve with love. Again, back to what... Uh, Jesus said to the disciples in John 13, this new commandment I give you, that you would love one another. What's the lead up to this? If you go back into chapter 13, here's the lead up. Start of chapter 13. Jesus walks into all his disciples 
and his disciples are there sitting around hanging out you know they're just doing their thing and he brings with him a bowl filled with water and he brings with him a towel what does he what does he do in that situation he walks up to the disciples and he removes their sandals gets down on his knees and he begins to wash their feet listen the lead up to him saying serve one another in love is him serving his disciples now I don't know what's happened maybe the disciples have just been really ticking him off and and he's thinking man that Peter with a big mouth he's such an idiot I'm sick of that guy he's such a pain you know that Thomas he always doubts you know whenever I'm laying hands on someone Thomas is there going as if he's going to get healed oh he got healed who would believe that He's thinking about all these different guys and he comes in and says, listen, I'm going to show you what love is. Gets down, takes his sandals off and begins to wash their feet and says from that point, listen, right now everyone's going to see you and know that you're my disciples because you're engaging in an aspect of love that is so vital to the reality. Listen, it's outworked often through service to the people in our world works in marriage it's life-changing in marriage it's marriage changing it's marriage healing the outworking of of service and the outworking of love through that listen it is life-changing to the church can i go from there it is revival building in our community when a church like us pulls out some bowl pulls out a towel and says we want to serve a community we want to show the love of god through serving he got this and and listen i i really think he was out working it probably at times out of a place of frustration with those guys that just couldn't get it and couldn't run with him and and he's trying to show them listen here it is this love is outworked as we serve as we engage as we move with the community the apostle john that recorded that in his gospel also wrote in first john about how we outwork this verse 16 we know that real love is because jesus gave up his life for us so we also ought give up our lives for our brothers and sisters if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother and sister in need but shows no compassion how can god's love be in that person dear children let us not merely say that we love each other let us show the truth by our actions I love that we are a church of action. I love that. I I just think of what we do as we continually engage with this community. Listen, I, I think of the generosity of our giving. Because of the generosity of our giving, we are continually, every day, every day we as a church are in our community here in Anala, in the western suburbs of Brisbane, and we're given food just this week I know we gave away tons and tons of fruit and vegetables I was at Marketplace yesterday alone we gave away so much bread fruit and vegetables engaging with our community I love that we are a church of action I love that we take the Apostle John's words right there and say hey if we're going to have something in our hands we do something with what we have in our hands I love we're a a generous church when it comes to our giving Listen, I know many of you work like six days a week and you're here on a Sunday and 
you, you don't have time to be down helping and serving and, and, and being like the other volunteers and your giving makes a way for the engagement in our community. Your, your sowing, your generosity of finance. Listen, I know you're working hard. I know you would love to be down doing that. I know you'd love to be out helping out in that way, but you can't because you're working and enabling your giving to come. That's wonderful. Thank you. I love the fact that we're generous like that. It's powerful. It's profound. It's our giving. It's huge in the outworking of this because doing what he says there, our actions is outworked in serving. I think the, the creative team, being here hours earlier, practicing, using their gifts and talents is a, is a way of saying, I love my church. I love the people in my church. I love my community. I'm bringing my gift. Right. I'm, I'm singing. I'm playing a guitar. I'm playing keys. I'm playing drums. Yeah, I, I love Mayo. This guy loves this church and loves the people in this house so much. He's like, you know what? We need a bass player. I'm going to learn to play bass. Yeah. You know what? We need a drummer. I'm going to learn to play drums. Yeah. I love that about that guy. I love it when we bring our gifts and we serve and we do what we can. Listen, for in this room, you might be here saying, oh, I've got gifts. Bring them to the house. Serve. Right. Finance, bring it to the house. So, right. so powerful. When we come to being revived to love, revived to love, Causes action. Causes us to be actioned. Causes us to move. Listen, in spite of the unlovable things around us that would still love, would still be activated. Come on, let's pray. I know this message will keep speaking to you as you continue your day. So for more information about City Point West, jump on citypointchurch.com or follow our social media accounts Instagram, City Point West, or our Facebook, City Point Church West. Have a great day.